0: Welcome to this month's IanAbenethi.com podcast. In this month's podcast, we'll be discussing Beginning Bunkai and the shocking revelation that I apparently have an accent. Welcome to this month's IanAbenethi.com podcast. And in this month's podcast, we're going to discuss beginning bunk how to get started with the, the study of uh, the applications of CATA. And it's probably one of the most um, frequent requests I get on email, this. Uh, one other thing I'm talking about frequent emails that I'd like to briefly discuss is uh, my accent. Uh now I was shocked to find that I have an accent, but apparently I I, I do. <laughs> um and over the months and years we've received quite a few emails about it, mainly from people outside the United Kingdom who uh rather surprised by it. Um so my accent, if you look at a map, if you if you uh, try and find the centre of the universe, and that's where I live, um <laughs> uh Cumbria, it's um, actually far north of England, just to the west hand side, just on the, the Scottish Scottish border, and I have a a Cumbrian accent. I was actually born in Manchester, um, England, uh, which, you know, Manchester people would regard themselves as being the north, but we're 200 miles north of north, so I don't know what that makes us. Um, But yeah, I was born in Manchester, and my parents are both from Cumbria, and then they moved back up here, and this is where I've lived for the last 34 years, so I've obviously picked up a little bit of an accent, it would seem. Um, So yeah, on the emails, it it often gets mistaken for all kinds of different places, because it is a little bit unusual, but it's an English accent, but uh, only just, because like I say, we're we're just on the the Scottish border, Um, And also there's lots of variations as well on the the Cumbrian accent. I mean, living locally, you can tell which village, town, you know, wherever people are from just by uh, the terminology they'll use. So what I thought we'd do, just for a little bit of fun, and seeing as it seems to interest quite a few of you, is we'll do a um, a little competition. If you live in Cumbria, then you're obviously completely and utterly excluded from this, because what I'm about to say will make perfect sense to you. Um, Because, believe it or not, this is my posh accent. Um, (laughs) Us Cumbrians speak very quickly, uh, which some of you may have noticed that too. Um, So this is me actually slowing down a bit, believe it or not. And um, use all kinds of words that nowhere else in the um, entire universe uses. So what we're going to do, I'm going to give you a phrase in, in Cumbrian. And for anyone who gets it right, who doesn't live in Cumbria, because uh, you're excluded, but that's fair enough because you get to live in the beautiful land that is Cumbria. So, you know, you can't have it all your own way. So, but for anyone, anyone anywhere else, uh, that includes people in the United Kingdom and overseas, I'm going to give you a little phrase in Cumbrian. Um, if you think you know what it means, email me at ian at com. Uh, we'll keep them all on file and whoever gets closest because i can't believe anyone will get it right um uh, whoever gets closest uh will wins a prize so you can have a know, choice of a free book or a dvd or whatever you want you know so what we'll what we'll do is um i'll give you this phrase okay so this is me speaking in normal cumbrian and the little clue is this is a martial arts kind of phrase all right kind of he goes, uh, he smacked me mara into with a kebby, so I clicked the get and scoped a mower. so I'll, I'll give you that again. He smacked me mara into keppet with a kebby, so I clicked the get and scopped em mower. Right. Now that is to any Cumbrian, that's perfect English, alright? Um, as we would speak it and know it. So to most of you, that's probably gibberish. Okay, so one last time, a bit slow maybe. He smacked me mara into with a kebby, so I clicked the get and scopped em mower. So, if you think you know what that means, or as close as you can get to it, uh, drop us a line, and you can win a book or a DVD. And we'll close the competition when, in time for the next month's um, uh, podcast. You know, so no, you know, free to enter and have a bit of fun with it. And uh, okay, back to the main topic then. Strange accents uh, now concluded, and we'll get into the main topic of this month's podcast, which is beginning bunkai. <laughs> One of the most frequent requests I get for podcasts is how to get started with kata application, or bunkai, and practical karate. Now, a lot of people have spent years studying karate or related art, and have come to an awareness that, as good as what they do is, it lacks pragmatism and the skills needed to address the realities of violence. Now, having become aware that there's a side to their art that effectively addresses those issues, but they've yet to explore it, they're obviously keen to get going, but they come across a problem of where to start. Uh, people are sometimes put off by the seeming vastness of the field, and all the differing views and opinions on the best way to progress. And if you're one of those people who really wants to get to grips with bunkai but no uh, real idea of where to start, then uh, hopefully this podcast should uh, prove useful to you. Now, in all honesty, bunkai is not rocket science. Indeed, it's a hell of a lot simpler than most other aspects of the martial arts. It's mainly just a matter of getting started and approaching things in a logical and a structured way. Now that's not to say there's not challenges along the way, but with the right approach you know, none of that is insurmountable. Now, one of the first problems that many people experience when starting to look at bunkai is the resistance posed by their peers and sometimes their instructors. Uh, some people are very warm to the idea of bunkai, but some incorrectly see it as a threat to what they currently do and hence you know, discourage the study of it. Now to my way of thinking, bunkai study and training does nothing to undermine the other aspects of karate. Uh, when correctly approached, bunkai training enhances, justifies and gives purpose to the other aspects of training. Bunkai should add to what you do, not diminish it. Um, now, Some do perceive, and there's even some that promote bunkai as an alternative to traditional karate. Whereas in actuality, uh, the bunkai should be the heart of the, uh, the art that we all practice, enjoy and benefit from. So if you do come across resistance from your instructor or peers, the key is to correctly communicate the place of bunkai to them. Share your enthusiasm for how bunkai justifies, validates, and adds value to the kata that they've taught and practiced with you. Share your newfound knowledge with them in a positive way, and most people will warm to bunkai and want to join you in your studies. Um, it's also important to gradually introduce these ideas to those around you, as a sudden full-on change uh, can seem disorientating and perhaps even a little scary for some. And you know, hence you'll find people don't like you uh, rocking the boat, as it were. You also need to remember that everyone's free to practice the martial arts in their own way, and for some, um, actual combative skill is not the goal of their training. Uh, They may want to focus on the sport, or the art, or the culture of karate, and there's nothing wrong with that, so long as they're not mistaking these aspects for sharp-edged combative skills. Uh, You can no more demand that they train the way you want them to, than they can force you to train their way. So, if... Having looked at Bunkai, your instructor and your colleagues genuinely aren't interested then you've got a few options um if you've got strong ties to your current group you know you've made a lot of friends there and stuff um you may wish to see if you can get a few people together to form a Bunkai study and training group rather than you know leave the group, see if there's a smaller core group if you like that would be interested in doing some extra training in addition to what they already do. Now, if your instructor or colleagues are hostile to new ideas and try to limit what you study, then um, I'd strongly suggest finding another group, as there's obviously some insecurity issues there, and remaining in that group is sure to limit your growth. Um, now, if your group's a good, open-minded group that's simply not offering what you need, then thank them for setting you on the path and for what they've taught you, and you know it'll be time to seek instruction um, elsewhere. OK, so let's have a look at learning the, uh, the actual material itself. Um, without a shadow of a doubt, the best way to learn bunkai is d- directly from a good and knowledgeable instructor, and that should always be the aim, you know. Um, now, there's obviously lots of different ways to approach bunk and you need to search around to find someone who approaches the subject in a way that makes sense to you. As you may be aware, some place a heavy emphasis on pressure points and the theories of traditional Chinese medicine. Some place a heavy emphasis on floor drills. Some place a heavy emphasis on live training. Some are wholly traditional. Others uh, introduce modern elements, and so on and so on. And at the end of the day, what you need to develop a individual approach to karate and bunkai. You know, something that works for you. Now this process um, was traditionally encouraged. You were supposed to individualise the art that you studied. Um, you know, Even if it's frowned on today, that's the traditional way of progress. I obviously have an approach to Bunkai that works well for me and obviously strikes a chord with my students. And, um, In all honesty, I can also say that I've yet to come across an alternative approach to mine that makes as much sense to me, or that I believe to be effective as my own. Um, Now that's not because what I do is in any way superior to other approaches, it's just that what works for me, works for me as the individual that I am. And there are loads of really good people out there teaching really good stuff in the field of bunkai and plenty of people whose approaches I really like and admire. And I'm sure all of those, quite rightly, believe that what they're doing is the best way to approach a subject. <laughs> now, if they didn't believe it was the best way to approach a subject, why are they approaching it that way, you know? It's, it's important that you believe that what you're doing is the best way to do what you do. So, my advice to you would be to study as widely as you can and to take the bits that work for you into your own personal approach. I'd also avoid those who insist that their way is the only way, and I wouldn't expect to find all the answers um, for your questions in one place. You know, you should be an individual on this. Uh, do your homework and be sure to explore all the stuff that's out there. Now, when it comes to day-to-day training, um, you want to study at a dojo that broadly holds the uh, the same views as yourself. That approaches bunkai from the perspective that you feel it should be approached from. Now, that may not be the most convenient dojo, and if you're serious about your martial arts, you should be prepared to travel. Now, in a standard week, uh, I'll do around 550 miles just to train with my current teachers. Um, And I know people who do more than that, and I accept that mileage may not be for everyone. It may seem excessive to some, but you should not expect to find the best instruction on your doorstep all the time. Now, whether that travelling is worth it or not depends on how serious you are about what you do. Um, if attending a Bunkai-based dojo on a regular basis isn't practical or possible, there's still a few options open to you. You could easily get uh, access to top instruction via the seminars. Uh, one of the great things about the martial arts world at the moment is that there are people uh, actively inviting instructors into their dojos and opening the doors to all those who want to attend. Um, you know, Keep an eye on all the various websites and the martial arts magazines and see what's going on out there and get yourself to the events that being run by the people that you want to train with and I could of course organize a seminar yourself and just an as aside if you ever do that regardless of who the seminars with feel free to let me know and I'll happily help spread the word to the rest of the gang via the, uh, the newsletters. Uh, we've got thousands of members on the newsletters from all over the globe and the newsletters have proved to be a really good way to spread the word on such events. Um, so however you do it, you know, get to such events, get the information and take it back to your dojo, your study group or your training partners and make it your own. Now for my part, I take it as read that I'm more than happy for anyone to take what I have to offer and add it to what they do in whatever way works for them. You know, it's a process I like to think of as learning, you know, you study the material, take it, make it yours, you know. Uh, So, in addition to getting first hand instruction on Bunkai, and that's obviously the most important bit, I would also strongly recommend that you get first hand instruction from as many reality based martial artists as you can. Um, So, it doesn't matter if these people are Karateka or not, all that matters is that they've been there and done that. You know, people who've really had to face violence, you know. Um, And hence they'll be able to communicate to you what real combat is truly like. Um, Now, this will hone what I crudely like to call your bullshit filters. Uh, with knowledge of the needs of real combat, you'll be much better prepared to analyse what you're learning and apply it in a functional way. Now, it's worth remembering that views on what works varies a lot as well, you know. Um, however, if the individual teaching you has made their methods and approach personally work for them when it really counts, then it's definitely got some validity, you know. I mean, there may be between all the reality-based Leaders in that field. There's little bits of disagreement here and there. But broadly, it's all the same stuff, you know. And look for someone who's made it work. If they've made it work, you can be sure that that method has their validity. So it's not fame or dan grades we're looking for here. It's people people who have genuinely made what they do work for them. Now, as a pragmatically minded karateka, um, I find I have a lot more in common with reality-based martial artists than I do with a lot of so-called uh, traditional ones. I also find that the writing of the past masters um, are often completely in accordance with today's leading reality-based teachers. Um, the same can't be said for a lot of modern Karataka, however. So be sure to continually advance your broad practical education alongside your specific bunkai study. Uh, and it won't be long before you'll start to see how much things mesh together, and if they're not meshing together, you should start to question the validity of the bunkai you're being presented with. So in addition to direct instruction, um, which we've we've said is the most important uh, important one, whether that's at a a class or at seminars or whatever, you should also try to study um, all the materials that are available on Bunkai. Now this should include primary sources, such as the writings of the the past masters as well as the works of, of modern authors. Uh, with regards to the work of past masters, due to a ever-growing interest in the development of karate, many of these uh, original works are now available in English uh, at reasonable prices. Now, I can recall paying a small fortune for books a number of years ago that are now widely available at very reasonable prices. You know, I'm not bitter about it, I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> of course, uh, oh, the proliferation of the internet now means that with a little work It's possible to find some really obscure texts, too, you know um now these books are still rarely cheap and frequently are only available in the Japanese language you now personally, I don't speak or read Japanese, but thankfully, I know people who do, and when needed, I also make use of professional translators so um now doing that, that can be taken a bit far for some, but you can still learn a great deal from the English language translations that are available. Uh, when you're looking at these, these these texts, one thing you should not expect is to find all your answers in one single text. Right? There's no one historical master text that reveals all the secrets. Um, what you'll have to do is dig through masses of material uh, to find lots of little bits of information that eventually come together to form the uh, the, the big picture. You know, there's a lot of work involved in that. Now, one way in which you can fast-track the process is to study the works of people like myself who have been studying this field for quite a while. Um, look at their conclusions and see if you agree with them. Um, their work should also help direct you to you know, other sources that you can study and you know, look at these things for yourself as well. Now, as with direct training, I'd strongly advise against taking what any one person says as the definitive truth. Um, whilst their study has led them to their... Um, own conclusions, your study may lead you a different way. Now, as I've said, my approach is the only one that makes 100% sense to me, and your approach is likely to be the only one that makes 100% sense to you. Now, as I said previously, there's loads of good stuff out there that I view as being exceptionally good, um, but we're all individuals, and it's, it's good to make what you do your own rather than just pick a, something off the shelf. Now in his 10 precepts, uh, Anku Itosu said that we should learn the explanations of all karate movements and then decide for ourselves how and when we would apply those motions. Now be sure to learn from others more knowledgeable than yourself, but also be sure to follow Itosu's advice and put your individual stamp on things. Now, when we are talking about that, it's, it's totally okay to disagree with other people as well, so long as you're not insecure or arrogant ass about it, you know. There's lots of effective ways to approach bunk-eye, and if you're secure in what you do, there's no need to feel threatened by anyone who holds a different view. Uh, nor is there any need to f- try and convert others to your view. I don't think we're after an homogenised, universally accepted consensus with regards to bunk-eye, I think it's far better if we have a vibrant abundance of views that people can look at and then decide what makes sense to them. It's intelligent and objective analysis by individuals that we want, not pressured conformity. So be sure to look at all that's out there, pass it through your BS filters and adopt what you see to be the strong aspects of all the various approaches. Now, there may come a time when your own approach develops a following, and then you can decide if you'd like to contribute back to the collective knowledge base. Now, personally, I think the more information on bunkai we can get out there, the better it is for the art and the better it is for all, you know, karateka. So, in addition to direct training, books, DVDs and seminars, the internet can provide you with a range of information that you can make use of for your own approach to bunkai. Now, the fact that you're listening to this podcast kind of proves that, you know. (laughs) <laughs> now on my own site we have um, we have the e-books we have all the articles and of course we've got the forum as well we have a, a good number of really intelligent creative and questioning people as members of the forum and it's a great place to ask questions and swap ideas. Now the amount of time it takes me to keep on top of my own website means that I have very little time to visit others, but then again you know there's there's plenty of good stuff out there and I'd encourage you to to check it all out. So having discussed all the various sources of information that are available to you, we now need to discuss how to get going and to put that information into practice. Now, this is probably the key bit of advice of this podcast really, but you want to start small and stay focused. Pick the very first kata that you were taught and start learning about its bunkai and start putting that bunkai into practice. Uh, don't try and learn it all in one go, it'll become confused and it can, you know, it can be a bit overwhelming. Now, as an alternative approach to learning um, one kata, you know, you may decide to uh, learn all the generic motions that are common to most of the kata. You know, things like, you know, your agiyukis and sotukis and uchiyukis and gidambarai's, you know, and the, the common movements, you know. Um, either way, keep it focused and concentrate on quality rather than quantity. Now, perhaps paradoxically, this is the fastest way to, to make progress. Uh, As Funakoshi said, when you master one technique, you will realize its close relationship to all other techniques. So if you take your time and learn in depth, you'll be amazed, you'll start to see the common threads and your progress will be quite, um, quite quick. Now I know of skilled karateka who've attended, you know, my seminars, knowing almost nothing about bunkai, and then within six months of enthusiastic uh, study, they've been teaching their own seminars on the subject. You know, once you've, if you've got the core skills, once you come to understand the key principles of bunkai, progress is really fast. Um, and as I said at the start of this, this podcast, bunkai isn't really that complex once you get to grip with the concepts. Um, If you're skilled in the other aspects of Karate, I think you will be surprised at how quickly uh, your your Bunkai study progresses, so long as you don't try and rush it. So, I guess guess it's, you know, stick to the old adage of, you know, less haste and more speed, you know. So, uh, this is probably a good time to uh, quickly discuss the four stages of Kata, um, as you should be eventually including all four aspects of Kata in your training. Now, these four aspects or stages are, are as follows. Okay, We've got stage one, which is learning the solo form of the kata, which I'm sure those listening to this podcast have probably already done. Right? Then you've got stage two, which is to study the bunkai of the kata. And as we've discussed, um, there's plenty of ways you can get going on that. Uh, stage three is to learn the underlying principles so you can adapt and vary the examples given by the kata. Now the key to this is understanding that the motions in Kata are examples used to demonstrate the combative principles recorded in the Kata, and we need to be careful not to become overly fixated on the example the Kata gives. Now to paraphrase Bruce Lee in Enter the Dragon, I'm sure you've all seen that, you know, right at the start, uh, when Bruce is giving the young guy's lesson, he says, you know, he Points his index finger and says, "It's like a finger pointing to the moon." And the little guy looks at the finger, and Bruce smacks him on the side of the head and says, "Look, don't concentrate on the finger, or you will miss all that heavenly glory." So that's what we need to be careful of. If we concentrate on the example of the catter, we're concentrating on the finger, not what the finger is trying to direct us to, or the example of the catter is trying to direct us to. So it's like a finger pointing to the moon. Don't don't concentrate on the finger, or you'll miss all that heavenly glory. Okay, uh, stage four is to gain live experience through what I call kata based sparring. Now the key here is that you'll be facing uh, live opponents in real situations, so it stands to reason that you must train against live opponents if you're to develop real combative skill. Solo kata, pad work, flow drills, etc., as useful as all those methods are, and they're all a valuable part of the whole, but they're no substitute for live practice. So with regards to eye you should be learning what all the cat motions are for, you should be looking at how motions can be adapted and varied in given circumstances, and you should also be including live training at all the various combative ranges in your study. Now it's beyond the scope of this podcast to discuss this process in detail and in particular the ins and outs of kata based sparring are beyond the, the, the scope of this podcast. But the reason I mention it here is that right from the beginning you need to understand that learning the applications of the kata is a start of the process, it's certainly not the end. You need to get to grips with the underlying principles and train live if kata is ever going to work for you when it counts and if you're ever going to develop true combative skill. The function of the movements is where we begin though, and I hope this podcast has given you some pointers on how to start that that process. Uh, So in summary, the the, the key is to start seeking out instruction and information on bunkai and bringing what you see as relevant into your training. Uh, Don't try and do it all at once and take your time and learn in a thorough and focused way. So when you take things step-by-step, you're very likely to find bunkai isn't that complex at all, and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at your own rate of progress. Okay, so that's the end of this month's podcast. Uh, I hope you found that useful and there's some ideas in there that you can uh, you can make use of. We also have the competition, of course, as well. So if you think you can understand a word I said in Cumbrian, uh, email me at ian at com. As usual, all your uh, feedback is uh, appreciated as well. So that's uh, ian, I-A-I-N, at ian, I-A-I-N again, A-B-E-R-N-E-T-H-Y. So that's ian at com. Um, so, yeah, thanks once again for uh, for downloading this podcast or for listening to it online. Uh, again, I'm always taken aback by how many people listen to these podcasts. I really am very, very grateful for the support, and I'll be back with a new one next month. Um, so until then, uh, stay lucky, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye now.